What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, if you don't know me, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. There are many ways we can work together. I encourage you to go to one of my sites, elisecortez.com or gusto-now.com and learn how. There's also some free resources I put there for you to download and use as you like. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners and viewers with insights from distinguished business leaders, authors, and subject matter experts. By listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders and enlightening workplaces where we can thrive and do business that betters the world. Glad you're here. With us for today's program is Renee Cermak, a self-esteem expert and author who is on a mission to help others lead an extraordinary life by making their self-esteem, how much they like themselves, their number one priority. She accomplishes this through her dynamic, no-bullshit coaching methods, serving as a catalyst for lifelong change in people's lives, and her book, How to Be Your Biggest Fan, The Value and Power of Self-Esteem. We'll be talking about some key points from her book, my own experience as a participant in the personal transformation work she does, and learn how people actually change and grow. She joins us today from Phoenix, Arizona. Renee, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here today. Isn't it so fantastic? We're both geeks in the personal transformation space, and I get to learn from you and share you with the world. I'm so happy to have you, Renee. I'm so happy to be here. And, uh, you know, the day we met uh, is a pleasure for me and my future, and uh, I look forward to all of our discussions. Me too. And for listeners, I do like to tell you how I find my guests. I picked up Renee. She was minding her own business. I was at a PSI basic seminar in Dallas in of June of 2020. And Renee was there uh, helping to facilitate and helping us getting going. And I just was immediately grounded to her energy and what she was up to in the world and wanted to share her. So that's how it started. And, and so, Renee, I always like to know, why in the world are you doing this work? So how did you get into personal transformation? Um, why this space? Why not accounting, marketing, finance, anything besides <laughs> like this? Uh, well, I was on track to, I was attending a naturopathic medical school um, at one point. So it wasn't my mission uh, to be in the personal growth industry. However, I took this seminar uh, 22 years ago, a three-day personal growth seminar, the one that you just described taking last June, and uh, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. And um, it's kind of my mission to, for as many people as possible, to experience um, personal growth in general, yet also PSI seminars. I think that you know we do the best job in the industry. And uh, I took this class when I was 27 years old and I was a cocktail waitress and my self-esteem, you know, was not so great. And the results that I had at 27 years old fit my beliefs about myself back then, which were not so great, just like my results now fit my beliefs, which are very different. 
Mm-hmm. Two things. So one, since we both work in the personal transformation space, there is nothing like getting to witness and be part of seeing somebody's molecules change in front of your eyes as they transform. Yes? It, yes, it is an honor and a privilege. And uh, it's so exciting to watch and be a part of. And and I mean, I know I remember my aha moments of, you know, realizing my capability when when, you know, five minutes before or an hour before I didn't know about it. And so when I see people's eyes, you know, open up in the wonder of like, holy cow, I had no idea. I had no idea that I could do that. I had no idea that I was this capable. I had no idea that my future is in my hands based on my beliefs and my choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second point I wanted to make is at least for the last eight years, I have systematically invested in some kind of a fairly important investment in myself each year to catalyze my own learning and development. And of course, I put that out for our listeners and viewers because I believe in investing in my own development and I want all of you to do the same. So I wanted to be sure and, and, and say that because both you, you know, you met, you went through this yourself some 27 years ago. I've just gone through it recently this weekend and then back in June, as well as other programs. And I think what you're doing is really amazing, which is why I wanted to share it. So um, now you're welcome. And, and so now I want to talk about what you've done in your book, which I think is phenomenal that you've isolated a singular concept and really explained it. So you've written a book about the value and power of self-esteem. So for our, our viewers who have not read it cover to cover, as I have, why is self-esteem so important? Oh my God, it's the number one most important thing because it is the number one driver to all of your results, whether it be money results, relationship results, health results, uh, you name it, it is directly correlated to your level of self-esteem or um, how much you like yourself or what I call your self-estimate. You know, your opinion is the only one that matters. We make it oftentimes about what other people think. And yet, uh, you know, if there is one brilliant place for you to invest time and money, it is in your self-esteem because you are unable to detach from your self-esteem. You know, you it's not a guarantee, you know, who you're gonna be around and the relationships and the experiences, but what is guaranteed is that your self-esteem will be along for the ride. And so everywhere you go, whether it's every money-making opportunity, every relationship, every vacation, every yoga class, like there's you and your self-esteem uh, running the results. And so the most brilliant place to invest time and money is making that the, the biggest and best um, that it can be. Like I like to think about me and my self-esteem running down the beach like a Viagra commercial, you know, or like, <laughs> and like we're hand in hand and it's me and my self-esteem and my self-esteem is the number one priority. And people say things like, well, what about your husband? I go, listen, my husband is the lucky guy that gets to be with us a couple of hours a day. Yet I have to make my self-esteem the number one priority so that I'm bringing the biggest, best version of me to the party. And when I'm doing that, then my husband wins and my eight-year-old daughter wins. However, if I make them the priority, number one, it looks like it's giving. It looks really great, yet they don't win in the long run because they're not getting the biggest, best version of me because I'm not putting my self-esteem first, like, like truly walking this earth, liking myself, being proud of myself, having respect for myself. It's, it's the most important thing because it drives all other results. 
Mm-hmm. So crisp. I love that. And I love, I love the idea, the actual, the image of you and your self-esteem gallivanting down the beach like Viagra commercial. I love that. That's no one's ever going to forget that, Renee. That's perfect. Um, and I also like what you said too in your book, which really resonated with me is, um, you, I for, and you correct me if I don't serve this upright, but you've said something that um, how you dress is a direct indication of your level of self-esteem. Yeah, it affect, I mean, your level of self-esteem affects what you eat. It affects how you dress. It affects who you surround yourself with. It affects mm-hmm. how, I mean, you, it, it affects everything. Mm-hmm. It shows up, as you say, everywhere we go in every instance. And I just think that's so powerful for our listeners to get right out of the gate, which is why I wanted to start with that. So then the next thing that we have to talk about, which is really profound and very sobering. So bear with us, listeners and viewers. Um, This is going to perhaps blow your mind. But one of the things that you talk about in your book, and we talked about in the session, of course, is that most of our beliefs were formed by the time we're nine years old. And yet, of course, that we rely on these in something like an autopilot format to run our whole entire life. That is just scary as all get out. It is. I mean, you know, when we were born, we were clean slates. Anything is possible. And then as we start growing up, we start having experiences. Uh, we start having examples around us and we start and we start creating our belief system. We have a belief about everything. And so uh, by the time we're nine years old, 80 percent of our thoughts, habits, thinking, everything that we're going to use to be successful as an adult um, is 80 percent of it is set up by the time we are nine years old. Uh, And then the 95 percent is set up by the time that we are 18 years old. And so by the, when we're 18, we have this belief system and then we go out into the world to be right about our belief system, yet none of us are right because all of us had a very limited view of all things possible. Um, and um, when you think about, you know, that you were nine years old, 80% is built. And if you, if you look at you and your life, when you were nine years old and what was happening around you, what are what are some of the beliefs that you could have ended up with as a nine-year-old? That people are trustworthy, people are not trustworthy, um, that the world is a scary place, that the world is extraordinary. And, you know, and, and so depending on what beliefs you adopted, they are absolutely affecting um, what's happening in the world today because the nine-year-old in you decided something about you and money and it's quite possible that you're playing it out today or the nine-year-old in you decided something about you and relationships and you could still be playing it out today. Mm. So for, for the people that are listening, listeners and viewers, if you haven't done a lot of work on this personal transformation or even personal growth or even investigating self-awareness and understanding what you do believe, this is profoundly important work to do. And what I want to go into next, Renee, is this notion of a limiting belief and how they show up in our lives. So th- th- I, this is probably, I would say, some of the most important work that, I, that I've done on myself and that I help others do as well. So for our listeners and viewers who don't understand a limiting belief or a limiting view, help us understand that and its import. Oh, yes. I mean, limiting belief is a uh, negative, repetitive thought, you know, a belief that that you have about you that is not so positive. Right. It's, you know, I am short or I am tall or I am, you know, usually starts with an I am statement. Right. I am lazy. I procrastinate. I And so um, 
And so when you think about, you know, I often ask people, do you talk to yourselves, right? And most people go, yeah, I talk to myself. And I say, would you ever let anybody talk to you the way that you talk to yourself? And of course the answer is no, I would never. And so I imagine that there's this head that sits on her shoulder and it's going 24 hours a day. It's like, the question is, what are you saying to yourself all day long? And is it in support of going to do great things or are you cutting yourself off at the knees, you know, 200 times a day and most of it unconsciously. So we're not usually aware of the limiting beliefs that we're saying to ourselves. However, when you think about when you make a mistake, you know, what's automatic? Is there a like, you know, you stink, you should have done better, somebody else would have blah, 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 right? So those are all the dialogues that we have with ourselves, and how we speak to ourselves absolutely affects everything about what we do. And so just even talking nicer to ourselves or being aware of some of the negative things, the negative Negative limiting beliefs that we have, because I, you know, if we say them often enough, they're go they're going to run the show. Mm -hmm. So, listeners and viewers, I want you to think about that for just a second. What is it that what is that I am statement that you tell yourself over and over again? I will absolutely admit that for me, one of the biggest I am statements, limiting beliefs that I tell myself that I have to intervene in is I'm stupid. That was I am so stupid. How can I how can I come up with that? So think about that. If I'm telling myself I'm stupid. How, how much is that getting me where I want to go? So I want you to think about that, listeners and viewers. This is really important work. And then the next thing I want to cover, and then we've got a couple of questions here in the queue that I want to queue up for you, Renee. Um, this is really, I, I find this incredibly powerful that you say in your book, um, it's so profound to consider that you say, the quickest way to create your extraordinary future is to give up your way. Say more about that. Yes. Well, we are walking habits from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. Uh, we, everything that we do is a habit. We have a one way of doing everything. Somewhere along the line, it became our way. However, way back when we had a lot of options and then we made a choice and we did it over and over and over and over and over till all the other possibilities just kind of dissipated away. And there was only one way to do it and it's our way. And we like to think that our way is the best way and the most effective way. And usually it's not, it's simply one way out of many possibilities that we chose. And it's usually not the best way or the most effective way. And so when we stick to our one way of doing things, we miss out on all of the other ways. And so the key to experiencing bliss, the key to experiencing goal achievement, the key to experiencing great relationships is to give up your way, to give up control. There's some people that are like choking the life out of relationships um, or business. And so what that also means is to surrender your way, that there are other ways to get things done, bigger, better ways, faster ways to get things done. And when you're, you surrender your way such that you get committed to the end result, the end result being a great relationship or the, the achievement of the goal. And that's the only thing that's important. And you give up your way and the mechanism. Now you're open to hundreds, if not thousands of other ways and possibilities and solutions that you never saw before, because when you're on your one way, you have a very um, limiting beliefs. And so one of my favorite quotes is you can either have great relationships or you can be right, not both. And so when you want when you're more focused on having a great relationship, then you have to continually give up your way and your need to be right because it's more important for you to have great relationships than how often you're right. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. So, so important. There's gold in those words, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, a couple questions here. Yes, really how it's very hard. Uh, so what's that, Renee? Sorry, it's very hard. 
I was going to say the it, it sounds simple, yet it's one of the most challenging things we will ever do is give up our way because we're really we're really tied to it. We really like our way. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, so one of the questions we're getting from our listeners here is how can we find what drives us? How can we find what drives us? Well, um, I, you know, I always recommend personal growth seminars are designed for you to uncover what drives you. It's they're designed for you to see what lights you up, what holds you back. You know, what do you want? You know, with your limited time on this planet, like who are you? What are you about? Um, what do you want to create? Um, and what is your future vision, right? And so, starting with, uh, it, you know, in the future, in my vision or my legacy, like what. What do I want to leave behind? And then it usually becomes clear how to make that happen once you define what it is that you want to make happen. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Let's grab our first break here on that note. Um, I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been there with Renee Cermak, who is a self-esteem expert and author who is on a mission to help others lead an extraordinary life by making their self-esteem, that is how much they like themselves, their number one priority. And those listeners and viewers who are asking about the book, the name of her book is How to Be Your Biggest Fan, The Value and Power of High Self-Esteem. We've been talking a bit about some of the important, really important principles in that book. After the break, we're going to talk about my experience of being in that personal development seminar. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I have an announcement to share with you. Um, in this recent pandemic, I had a baby. Did you know that, Renee? Uh, it's actually called Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Unleash Passion and Innovate Cause. So it's a book. Uh, and it's now on Amazon. It was so fun to create this. So I, I wrote it to really transform leaders and to create inspirational leaders and help people really turn on to their own passion, inspiration, and purpose. So I'm happy to share that with you. If you're just joining the program today, my guest is Renee Cermak. She's a self-esteem expert and author who is on a mission to help others lead an extraordinary life by making their self-esteem, that is how much they like themselves, their number one priority. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this segment, Renee, I want to get into the work that you and team do to, to really help people personally transform. And as you know, I am just freshly back from um, the Life Success course, Seven Days in High Valley Ranch. It was amazing. Um, and I want to get into some of the things that, that, were, that happened there so that our listeners and viewers kind of understand the, the import of going through something like that and if there's any value for themselves. And so as I said in the, in the first segment, I really believe in investing in myself and have been doing something pretty significant for at least the last eight years. And I do that to catalyze my own development and to realize more of my own value to be in service of my clients. 
So um, the thing that, that, I, that I find really interesting is when you think about this, that the effectiveness of this course really, in my view, in part relies on the fact that it's experiential learning. So would you help us understand first, what do we mean by experiential learning and why do you think that's so important in catalyzing personal transformation? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, you can be lectured to for days and days and days and hear all sorts of great information yet until you experience it and apply it and have a, an emotional um, connection. You know, it's interesting, even in our three day class and definitely in the in the seven day class, the facilitator might introduce a topic or a subject and you're listening. You go, oh, that applies to everyone else. However, that really does not apply to me whatsoever. And then literally nine minutes later, you're on the other side of experiential exercise and you realize not only does it apply to you, it applies to you 23 times a day, yet nine minutes ago, you would have bet money that that has nothing to do with you and your life. And so when you experience it and move through it, right? And all of the, it's possible that limiting beliefs come up or it's possible that fear comes up. You know, one of the, one of the best things that comes out of going to the life success course is your different relationship with fear, right? Able to use fear as an ally instead of allowing it to stop you in your tracks that you realize that everything really great and extraordinary had fear along with it. And if you keep moving and taking steps forward, pretty soon you're on the other side with a big old smile on your face with all sorts of pride that you didn't allow whatever that was to be bigger than you. Mm -hmm. So, so incredibly useful and illuminating, right? So that's one of the words that I used coming back from the life success course is so illuminating. I got so much information about myself and I've done a lot of work on myself. This is not like this is my first rodeo and I got a ton out of it. So uh, one of the things that I thought was incredibly useful and you helped set this up for us, Renee, in the pre-call before we even got to the ranches, mm -hmm. you told us, you said, this course is purposely designed to push your buttons. And you said it helps us to see the boundaries of our resistance. And I wasn't quite sure what how that was going to look, but that's what happened. And so um, I think that that probably qualifies for what I come to understand in my purpose work as shadow work. Um, and so from a course objective human development vantage point, why do you think it's important for us to understand what pushes our buttons? Well, any any time that there that you get a button pushed, it is a highlight to the fact that that's an area in your life that you haven't reached mastery. Otherwise, the button wouldn't get pushed because every time a button gets pushed, it's like you taking your power, putting it on a platter and handing it over to the person that pushed your buttons and say, why don't you take my power away for a couple hours while I react to my buttons getting pushed? And so what, one of the ways that you can learn the most about yourself is to examine Examine, to never miss an opportunity to examine one of your buttons getting pushed and to get extremely curious as to why, what just happened? Was it the, is it the person? Is it the topic? Because what's happening is somebody else's belief is simply rubbing up against your belief and you don't like it. And so when you get a button pushed and you start to react and there's lots of different ways that we react, um, you know, having to go to the bathroom could be a reaction, you know, going to bed is a reaction, having to go get a 
cup of coffee. Getting angry um, is a reaction. And so when you react to notice and to start asking your questions, yourself questions like, why am I reacting? What is this about? And when you're willing to ask questions, you get answers back. And when you get those answers, it takes the edge off. It's like when you have an understanding that it's like that person reminds me of my mother-in-law, which is why I get when I'm around them. When you understand that, you no longer have to give your power away. And you can look at the person and go, I got to find something great about them because I'm not going to continue to associate them with my mother-in-law because they're not my mother-in-law. Mm, so <laughs> powerful, right? Imagine listeners and viewers, if you could let go, if you if you could not be run by that kind of power, how, how much of a difference that would make in your life. It's incredible. And and so for me, Renee, I don't know if we talked about this before, We I went to High Valley Ranch, but you know, one of the big things that I wanted to focus on by attending this particular seminar at this time is I want it's is really focused on an iterating a, a newer, more scalable, pandemic-friendly business model that continues to let me uh, honor my purpose and express it more fully in the work that I do. So that's why I went. And so one of the things that was so interesting for me is, uh, you know, on day two, we were asked to talk about, you know, kind of what's crappy in our lives, what crappy things have happened in our lives. And at first I didn't really have much to say about that because it didn't occur for me that way. So I went in and I did what, of course, we should do, I think, is I sat and I really listened intently to as my fellow participants shared their stories. And I listened with empathy and compassion. And as they went along, Renee, no surprise, but their stories opened my own heart. And then I got, I got more present to you know, what was happening for me. And of course I got completely moved to tears and then I could open my own mindset to what was occurring for me. And I got more present to my own program. So for our listeners and viewers who don't know what a program is, what's a program and how do we get it? Well, a program, you know, is, is kind of equal to uh, what we were talking about before in, in limiting beliefs. And, and they're usually negative limiting beliefs. You know, you mentioned yours about I'm so stupid. One of my biggest programs is I am not enough. Um, I'm not smart enough or attractive enough or fun enough. Now, what you want to know is that once you get a program, you're not able to get rid of it. However, you can <laughs> minimize it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you want to know that the reason why you created the program in the first place was to survive, right? Our programs are limiting beliefs keep us safe and allow us to survive, right? They might cause us to be guarded and to hold back in relationships to survive or to play a smaller game so that we don't get hurt out there to survive. And so the great news is we've all survived um, and now it might be time to start thriving. And so in order to start thriving, you got to give up um, those programs. Now you, you're not able to ever make them go away. However, when I first per started personal growth 22 years ago, my negative programs, beliefs about me were larger than life. And so in the last 22 years, I've been actively working on, you know, which pile am I going to feed the pile that says I'm not enough or the pile that says clearly I am enough. And so whichever pile I feed um, is pile of evidence. I mean, whichever one I feed is the one that's going to win when I'm on automatic pilot or unconscious 95% of the time. And so, you know, if you've been, you know, putting uh, evidence in, in the pile of not being capable for 30 years, now we have to get to work and putting evidence in the other pile that says that you are 
um, capable. And so again, you can take it from super huge and minimize it down to this big, such that those limiting beliefs are no longer running your life and some more positive beliefs about you, like I am enough or I am abundant, um, can start running. Mm -hmm. So for listeners and viewers, this might be some of the first time you've ever heard some of this idea of a program running you, et cetera. And this is, it might just seem really out there. Uh, it's incredibly powerful and useful when you recognize just what that thing is. So you've already started to talk about this, Renee, because you're starting to talk about possibility. But again, what I want to make sure our listeners get from our conversation is something a little bit actionable as they walk away before they sign up to register for uh, a session. And so you know, once we recognize this program, right, there's power first in knowing what's the program. But then the second thing is, you started to speak to it, what can we do to create the results that we actually want in life rather than being run from the program? Well, it's about, well, yes, in the awareness, um, you then can do something different. And so there's nothing like evidence to combat uh, limiting beliefs. Like I have conversations with myself every day, all day. And so even doing this show, right, there's, there's, it's usually when I'm in the shower, that little voice comes up that goes, who do you think you are? You can't do this. Right. And so I could listen to that um, voice. However, I recognize it and I'll talk to it. I'll go, listen, I don't have time for you today. I have something important to do with Elise. And if you really want to know, you know, I have this piece of evidence and this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. So it's, you got to get busy producing evidence. Like even if you're scared to get up and do it anyway, because then there's one piece of evidence. And if that wasn't bigger than you, then maybe there's some other things that are not bigger than you. And then you get up and you go do that. And now you got two pieces and so on and so on. And at some point you have so much evidence um, that it's irrefutable and you can tell your programs where to go. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's just, so that's extremely actionable. And then the other thing that you said first before we even went into the session that I want to talk through a little bit here today because it was so powerful is what you said to us on the call before we went to the ranches. You said, you know, imagine that, you know, when you first get a button pushed, maybe it'll take you four days or something to kind of come back around to overcome or deal with the fact that your buttons have been pushed. You've huffed off or whatever. You're not talking about it. And then maybe it becomes two days and then maybe you're able to get it down to one day or a half a day. But the opportunity, as you told us, was to be able to have something literally hit your button and then for you to quickly recover and not have it have you. And so one of the things that you said is you said your our job is to minimize the amount of buttons that control us. That's one of the things you say in the book. And what you resist is in your is in control of you, you say. And I just thought that was so powerful. So would you speak more to this notion of these how these buttons work on us and our ability to handle the resistance piece? Yes, absolutely. Gosh, you listened to so many things that I said, Elise. I'm so I impressed. And I read your book cover to cover. I know. And so, I, I mean, I think people can really relate to catching themselves days later and wishing they could go back to the moment um, of the fight or the argument or the confrontation or whatever happened and they would um, do it different. And so the the it to be able to catch yourself and to be able to know yourself so well that you can positively interfere when it is happening is the ultimate goal. Not a day after it happens, not even an hour after it happens however you got to practice and practice and practice because you'll start to even notice what your body feels like in it and so if you're in tune you go oh i'm starting to get that feeling oh it's happening there's a button being pushed and then you can even stop and go 
I like there was a button being pushed right then. And so let's have a conversation so I can figure out in the moment why I was about to start reacting or getting annoyed or getting angry. And so that like, again, the, the, the best person to be so curious, like, I want you to be fascinated by you. Like, why do you do the things that you do? Why do you react over here and not over here? Why is it hard to accept feedback? Why, you know, did I have the need to make my husband wrong last night? Like why? And when you ask all those questions, you'll get answers back. And then all of those answers are like shaving your buttons down. I mean, some people have buttons that stick out so far that people bump against them just walking by, right? They get offended by by a look or a comment or something like that. And so to be a great leader of self is to shave your buttons down. Like think I, I have an analogy of like sandpaper that you're taking the sandpaper and you're shaving those buttons down such that they're not protruding out, such that nobody knocks against them, such that there's no reason to hand your power away. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good to stop it in the moment and to go, I just positively interfered with my unconscious, you know, with my automatic pilot. I was about to go on autopilot and get really upset or do what I normally do, a predictable habit. And I was able to stop myself in the moment. However, first, before you can stop yourself in the moment, you have to have a lot of failures of figuring it out after the fact and not in the moment. Right, and and so uh, listeners and viewers, let me translate this for you. If I know this is a lot to take in because Renee knows a lot about this, but let me just bring it home for you, uh, just to make it a little bit easier and, and palpable. So, what's the net of this? This is going to change and improve your relationships. It's going to improve your results in life and at work to be more effective. Like, so if you're not being run by your buttons being pushed, you can be in the moment and connected to someone and actually have the relationship that you actually want and to be the person that you want to be in the world and have the results that you want. That's why we do this work. It's worth it. It's fantastic. Renee, so glad to be talking to you. Mm -hmm. um, let's grab our, our second break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We were there with Renee Cermak. She's a self-esteem expert and author who was on a mission to help others lead an extraordinary life by making their self-esteem, which is how they like themselves, their number one priority. She's the author of How to Be Your Biggest Fan, The Value and Power of, of High Self-Esteem. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I have another announcement for you, and that is that in the fall of last year, we actually announced a Gusto Now um, e-learning platform. It's a transformation and e-learning platform that has my signature course, Vitally Inspired, Living and Leading from Purpose, on it, as well as some other pro professional development programs. And we do them in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Those are my languages. I love them. I do offer a 20% discount to listeners. And when you check out, you just use the code WOP20. 
I can't wait to see you in class. It's so much fun to actually do this. Now we don't actually have physical boundaries. We just actually do this together online. It's amazing. Um, if you're just tuning in, my guest is Renee Cermak. She's a self-esteem expert and author who is on a mission to help others lead an extraordinary life by making their self-esteem their number one priority. So where we left off here was what I wanted to get into next is how we can actually change and grow. That's the, that's the, the focus of this last segment here, Renee. So, you know, a lot of people, as you well know, don't necessarily believe that people can change. They think that they can't grow. And of course, you and I wouldn't be doing the work that we do if we believed that, right? So I want to get into um, some of the things that you say in your book about that. And I find this so encouraging and empowering what you say. So you say, so how do you create new habits? Easily. The same way you created the old habits, through repetition of the small stuff. Your self-esteem and the little things you do or don't do are inextricably wound together to produce the results that surround you, big and small, in every area of your life. That's so yummy. Say more about that. I know. You know, I used to think that uh, self-esteem was created by the big stuff, you know, like uh, receiving an award on stage or being in the school play or something like that. And um, I realized... Um, that well, and I, I also heard a speaker once say that 10% of life is the really great moments and another 10% is the not so great. And the 80% left is like the everyday, the daily grind. And so if you can, you know, bring passion, um, you know, to the daily grind, but our every result, every one of our habits started, you know, one day long ago, and then we did it day after day after day after day, and then it became weeks, and then it became months, and then it became years, and then it became a big old result of either being, you know, in shape or overweight or in debt or, um, you know, prepared for your retirement. And so all of this small stuff, it's not the big moments that make up the majority of our self-esteem, it's the everyday moments, the little stuff that it's easy to discount, easy to go, oh, that doesn't matter. Well, the one time it doesn't matter. However, after thousands of times, you know, it builds up to produce a big result. So every habit that you currently have right now started with one day uh, and then you built on it and built on it and built on it. And so if you want to create some new, bigger, better habits than the ones that you have today, the great news is that you get to start today and then it's about being successful today and then tomorrow is a new day to be successful and then the next day and then if you keep going and going and going one day at a time pretty soon that you have a new habit that you've been doing for months and now years and now you have new um different uh results mm -hmm. yeah and then there's one really important key to that which you write about that's the next thing i want to talk about and you say the best thing you can do to get to your goal is to get into action massive action um so talk to us if you would about how action and courage are related well, I mean, every it's scary to take action. It's easier yeah. to think about it and talk about it and plan and getting ready to get ready. I mean, you know people that have been planning and getting ready to get ready for 10 years. And so to actually take action takes courage. And even if it was the wrong action, when you're on the other side of it, you realize that it took courage and it didn't kill you, right? And whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And in that action, like some people stand at a crossroads for years, right? And analysis paralysis and not knowing which path to choose. And if you take a step, you'll know soon enough whether that was the right path or the wrong path. And if it was the wrong path, then you can get moving on the right path because every action gives you information um, about what's working and what's not working. And if, if that's where you want to continue to move forward to. 
Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I learned too, by having Jeff Hayden on my radio show a couple, a couple years ago, he wrote a book called the, the motivation myth is that right. And speak to this, if you would, Renee, when we get into action, then it bolsters our self-esteem because we recognize we're doing something toward our goal. Right. So just the very taking of action already creates a sense of energy and inertia and momentum. It's so true. And it, and it creates the, the desire to, to keep moving. You know, it's, it's like, you know, if you're a salesperson and you get a sale, you know, the next thing you want to do is get another sale, you right. know, it's like, but, and so I, I love the part in my book where I, I uh, totally borrowed the part regarding the action. It's like, I don't feel like running. Well, that's because you're not running yet. As soon as you start running, you feel like running. <laughs> You know, and it's that is so true. And people that run, they know that to be true. It's like, I don't feel like running right now. Well, that's because you're not running. As soon as you start running, you'll feel like running. It's like, I don't feel like getting a sale right now. Well, that's because you're not getting a sale. As soon as you start getting a sale, you'll feel like getting a sale. I mean, so it's like just the act of moving and the the self-esteem, yes, that comes from it because you could have made the choice uh, to still be sitting on the couch eating bonbons and yet you are taking action. So there's a certain amount of pride that comes with that and, you know, the, you know, the courage part as well. Yeah. And, you know, why do I care about this, listeners and viewers? You've heard me say this before if you've tuned in. I care about your one precious life. What are you doing with this one precious life? Right. If you're watching it go by sitting on the couch, I'm not going to be done with that. I want to be with you, cheering for you and helping you find ways to get off that and get into action, which is why I brought Renee on. So um, I'm so excited about this, as you know, it's so important. And in fact, my next book that I'm now working on is about this notion of getting into action. How do we actually manifest our passions and our purpose? So this is so important. It's just huge. Um, and to that end, one of the things that you do great in your book, Renee, that helps us so much is you actually outline a change process that I think is incredibly valuable. And I like it because it helps us understand how and where we get stuck and how we get out of it. So can you talk us through that process? Yes, uh, it's called the dip. And so anytime that you're going to be a beginner, which is anytime you're doing something new, right. uh, you're going to go through what I call the dip, which is usually the first 30 days of doing anything. And it can be um, somewhat painful. Uh, however, it's only temporary. And I love the dip because it separates the interested from the committed. There's many people that are interested in having more money, yet not committed to doing what it takes to get there. Or plenty of people that are interested in weighing less, and yet they're not committed to do the things required in order to get there. And so again, it's only temporary. So imagine, you know, if you haven't worked out in the gym for five years and now you start working out again, it is sore, it is uncomfortable. And yet if you do it day after day after day, pretty soon you get through the 30 days of the dip and you're on the other side, uh, more like smooth sailing and on the way to creating um, a new habit. So it's the first 30 days of building a new habit and it can be rocky and it can be difficult and it can, you know, take longer time than some of the, um, the kind of go-to habits that you have that you're attempting to course correct. Mm -hmm. So what I, I like to, if you would speak a little bit more to this, Renee, is there's a part in that dip where you, you really do talk about the resistance, right? So we have a resistance to that discomfort or starting this new thing. Will you say a little bit more about how that shows up for us and, and how we can also persevere a little bit stronger through that? Well, I mean, we're as human beings, we're pretty committed to our um, 
comfort. Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, it's pretty comfortable to sit on the couch eating bonbons versus, you know, training for a triathlon, you know, except that there's not a lot of respect and pride and liking of self that comes from, you know, sitting on the couch eating eating bonbons. And so, you know, to per, on purpose do things that stretch us, right? And if, if we're going to get stretched, um, then there's going to be fear present. However, nothing really great or extraordinary happened without fear being present. And again, if you're willing to take action, pretty soon you're on the other side of whatever it is. It didn't kill you. You usually have a big old smile on your face with more evidence of what was not bigger than you. And so like personal growth is, is kind of like, if something scares you, well, let's go do it. Because then once you do it and realize that that wasn't bigger than you, then what about the next thing? And if that's not bigger than you, then what about the next and then the next and then the next? And then again, you have piles of evidence of all these things that were not bigger than you. And the more evidence that you have, the more powerful um, that you are moving forward for the next obstacle. Mm-hmm. That is perfectly rendered. I love that. Okay, now, uh, but one of the last things I want to talk about here, which I just think is is incredibly useful and so um, identifiable and something that we can all grab onto. Um, but you talk about this idea of, of being a beginner. And so to your point of already what you've been speaking about there, you, you say in your book, if you were not uncomfortable somewhere, you were not growing. Of course, I agree with that. Um, and then you say, keep being willing to be a beginner. Um, it's one of the best qualities. It's highly underused. I completely agree with that. And I know that you even devote your book to your husband and you talk about him being a great beginner. Say more about this thing about being a beginner. Well, as kids, we were willing to be beginners all the time. We were willing to fail over and over again. And we were willing to practice in order to get good at something, in order to master something. And then we become adults. And all of a sudden, we don't want to be beginners anymore. And we do something for the first time, time, and we think that we should be great at it the first time. And we're not willing to put in the practice like we were, you know, in growing up. And yet, you know, we're never going to be successful at the first shot. And that failure is part of the process to get to success. Like if you knew that you were going to be successful on the hundredth time that you did something, how fast would you get through the first one through 99 of failures such that you would be successful? And if you have that type of mindset, right, willing to be a beginner, willing to be uncomfortable, willing to practice in order to, you know, then become masterful at something, you know, is huge. You know, I, I have another favorite quote that says, in times of change, the learners will inherit the earth, while the learned will be beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. <laughs> Remember that in your book. Eric Hoffer. And I just so love that because the learners, right, within times of change, the learners will inherit the earth. The people that are willing to take classes and seminars, the, they're, they're willing to be open to other people's point of view. They're willing to learn and grow. And they're going to uh, be ready for, you know, this new world while the learned, you know, the, the people that it's like, I've been doing things 20, this, this way for 20 years and I'm going to continue doing, and they're not flexible and they're not open to doing things new. And, um, they're going to be beautifully equipped with the world that no longer exists. And so the key, you know, is to be a learner for life. You know, it's not like we get to 18 or 20, whatever age, and it's like done with the learning. Um, the best thing that you can do is be committed to life 
long learning and to continue to take classes and seminars um, because they're for successful people. Successful people want to know how to how to be more, have more, how to live to their full potential. And classes and workshops and seminars help us live to our full potential. Mm-hmm. I want to also reinforce what you're saying here. Uh, another woman that had on my show last fall, Rachel Stewart, wrote a book called Unqualified Success. And essentially what she's saying is every time we go to something new, we feel unqualified and are unqualified to take that new role because we haven't done it before. We're a beginner. And she talks also about, you know, really using fear as our ally. It's right there in the in the seat with our arm around it. It's coming with us, but it's come, you know, it's coming along. We're unqualified, but we push through it anyway. And I think it's just right. such an important message. And and I know it's uncomfortable, ladies and gentlemen. I know it is, but it's so worth it. Um, so here we are, Renee. We managed to talk through almost a whole entire hour together. It goes so fast. You know the show is listened to by people across the world. And then we're out to create workplaces where people can thrive and inspirational leaders make a difference in how we experience our work and how we do business. What would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, well, one of the things I talk about in my book is to be selfish about your self-esteem. And that kind of rough, some people are like selfish about yourself, meaning that your self-esteem is your number one priority, that your barometer, like you start looking at, if I do X, is it going to increase my self-esteem or decrease my self-esteem? And you use the answer to that question as your barometer of whether to move forward or not. And some of the best ways in order to increase self-esteem are things that nobody knows about, like secrets with the universe or secrets with God. And so I would encourage you to be secretly incredible, you know, like doing random acts of kindness or, you know, tithing money that nobody knows that you tied. It's like you look at yourself in the mirror different because you have pride for yourself and respect and that you like yourself. And so there's things that you can add into your calendar um, on purpose to like yourself more. You can make a list of here's what I do. Here's when I do these things, I like myself more. And then you incorporate them into the schedule versus I hope I happen upon one of those things um, every once in a while. And so remember that your self-esteem is 100% in your control through the small stuff, through the things that we do or don't do on a daily basis. And so you can start today to improve your self-esteem. However, remember to be consistent. If you're going to start, like get the second day and the third day and the fourth day, and pretty soon you got a new habit going. I love it, Renee. Great way to finish. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, your soul, your mind, everything with us today. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had a great time as well. Awesome. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Renee Sermak and the work she does with self-esteem and personal transformation or her book, start by going to her personal website. It's reneesermak.com. Let me spell that for you. It's R-E-N-E-E-M-N-C-E-R-M-A-K, reneesermak.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We are on the air with John Baker, who is the CEO of D2L, which stands for Desire to Learn, talking about the importance and role of continual education and development in today's rapidly evolving marketplace and workforce. Next week, we'll be on the air with Dan Berger, who is the president and CEO of the National Association of Federally Insured Credit Unions, talking about the importance of servant leadership and keeping employees safe during the pandemic. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose.
We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose. Oh, 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 o